All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Hey, if you're new with us for the first time here, let me introduce myself. My name is Jason Cusick. I'm the lead pastor here at Journey of Faith. And uh, something to know about us, we're a multi-campus church. That means we're one church in more than one location. So right now for this part of the service, we're connected with our Torrance campus, uh, meeting over there at our Torrance campus on Lumita Boulevard. Great that we can be connected in this way. And if uh, you weren't able to attend in person, you're joining us online right now. And so I want to say hi to everybody that's joining us online. You might be kind of by yourself or with family or with friends. Great that we can be together like this. We are in week two of a series that we're calling Doors, and it's all about decision-making. We are regularly faced with doors of decision. Some of those Decisions are things that we choose, like where to go to school or maybe where to work or even moral choices that we make. And then there's other decisions that we are forced to make that we might want to avoid, unexpected situations in life, crises that come up. When we face doors of decision, it can be very unsettling and destabilizing. It can even feel kind of lonely. The good news is we don't have to face doors of decision by ourselves. God and other people can help us handle the doors that we're going to face in life. Last week, we talked about the first one. It was the door of big decisions, and we actually uh, had a door on the stage that said decisions. We have it right now hanging uh, at both of our campuses here. And each week, we're going to actually keep the door that we're talking about visually in the room so that we can continue to remember that God is with us in these and wants to help us walk through these. Today, we're going to be talking about another door of decision, and it's this, the door of change or life transition. Let me tell you about a door of change in my life. It is my literal front door. Um, when my wife and I moved in this house about four years ago, and when we got the house, the door was brown, and we decided we wanted to paint it black. So we painted it black, and then in a short amount of time, uh, the paint was bubbling and starting to peel off. And we were like, okay, maybe it wasn't painted the right way. We'll just do some touch-ups. We did a little light sanding. I got out the old paint, put the paint on. And then shortly after that, it started peeling and bubbling again. And I was like, what is going on? Well, I have an east-facing door, and so the sun beats on it all day. And I thought, well, maybe that's the problem. So I went to the store. I bought this uh, weather-grade, like high weather grade resistant um, paint. I sanded down the entire door. I prepped it. I primed it. And I painted it with this high weather grade paint. And in a short period of time, it started bubbling and peeling again. And now it's kind of, it looks like it has some kind of illness. My front door has like a form of leprosy or something that that now I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to get like marine grade paint, like what they use for boats or something and repaint this thing. Um, I know some of you are like, I want to talk to you after the service. I know exactly the kind of, I want to help. Let's strategize on this stuff. Let me, let me say, the reason I'm telling this story is I got to a, a conclusion after I'm seeing it bubbling up again that this is a door I'm probably just going to have to maintain 
for the rest of the time I have it. This is a door that will be continually changing. Now, the good part is the door will not change. It's a solid door. It's hanging on the hinges. It's, it's not decomposing. The door will remain the same, but the maintenance of the door will be a source of continual change. And as I thought about that, I was like, that's the situation in life as well. There are things that will just continue to change, or there are aspects of our life that will just require continual maintenance and care and will not stay the same. And then there are other things in our life that should stay the same and will never change. Now, of course, knowing the difference between those two is probably the big challenge. Change is inevitable. How do we get through change and manage that continual change in a way that will help us? Well, the good news is God wants to help us with that. God wants to be that stabilizing force, that stabilizing person that helps us navigate through all of life's big transitions. So here's the main idea we're going to talk about today. We should let God keep us rooted as we go through big life transitions. What are the big life transitions you're going through right now? Or maybe the ones that are just on the horizon. Maybe it's something related to work. Maybe you're at that point where you're just going to start that new job. Or you just started that new job. Or you just came back from COVID and the job is completely different. Or you might be at that place where you're going, I think this is the time to leave my job or to retire completely. Maybe you're getting ready to go to a new school next year. Maybe you're graduating. Maybe you're moving up in a grade. Maybe you've just got into this new grade, and the grade that you're in now, the schooling you're in now, is really different than what you were used to before. Maybe it's a health transition. Maybe it's a financial transition. It could be a transition in your parenting, in your marriage, or it could be one of those transitions in your spiritual life where you're thinking about God and spiritual things in a different way. Some of you are here today because you're kind of saying it's time for me to go back to church or look into a church for the first time. There's others of you who are kind of at that place where you're saying what I used to believe isn't sustaining me anymore. And you might be in one of those seasons where you're kind of deconstructing what you've believed and you're kind of saying, what do, what do I believe now? Jesus wants to help us through those changes. So today, we're going to read Jesus' words to his first followers as they were on the verge of one of the biggest changes of their life. Here's where we can find it in the New Testament. It's Matthew chapter 28. Now, if you're new with us, maybe new to the Bible, not used to navigating the Bible, maybe you've never even read a Bible, don't worry about it. I'm going to have everything you need to see here up on the screen but I want to encourage you to write this down or take a picture of it because I'd love for you to read this on your own during the week. Read a little bit before, a little bit afterwards to really get a sense of what we're talking about here. And if you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, we can give you one on the way out, a physical Bible. But there's also really great software online. Uh, I use a Bible app called YouVersion. And 
This has the entire Bible in it. You can look things up by the references. You can look it up by stories. There's reading plans. There's uh, different helps to help you understand the Bible a little bit more. It's a great app. Wish they had that when I first started reading the Bible. When I first started reading the Bible, there was no technology to go on. You just open up the book and you try to figure it out. But I did have somebody give me some really good advice when I first started reading the Bible. Uh, this person said, uh, the, the, big, the main character of the Bible is, is Jesus. Um, and if you can read about who Jesus was and what Jesus did, um, that's a great place to start. So he said, if you look at the uh, first four books of the New Testament, here they are, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are books, these are the names of the authors of these books of the New Testament. And each one of them records Jesus' life and teachings from a little bit different angle. And you read all four of them, there's some overlap. But if you read all four of these, you're going to get a really good picture of who Jesus was and what Jesus taught. So if you're new to reading the Bible, you can check that out and, and try it that way. Today we're going to be looking at something from this first guy, Matthew. Matthew was a follower of Jesus. He took notes, and then he wrote this book that kind of describes who Jesus was and what Jesus did. And what we're going to read is Jesus' last words to his followers. Now, we're not going to read Jesus' last words before he died. Here's what's interesting. We're going to read his last words after he died. Because Matthew says that Jesus taught and lived and served people, and then he was crucified. He died. He was put in a tomb for three days, and then miraculously rose, and then spent weeks after that with his followers before he miraculously ascended to heaven. So what we're going to read is the last words before Jesus left earth. And it was right on the verge where his followers realized life's going to be different now. Here's what he says. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus was leaving, and these 12 disciples realized their life was going to be very different. And look what Jesus says to them. Let's go back to the beginning. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. That first word's really important. He says, go. Jesus' 12 disciples were Jewish men living in first century Palestine. They all spoke the same language, a lot of the same traditions, customs. They all lived nearby each other. Some of them knew each other personally. Their families might have been connected. Their world was a pretty small world. They had gotten relatively comfortable in the world that they knew. And now Jesus was saying, go. Jesus was saying, I've got a mission for you that's outside of the world that you've created for yourself. And he's saying, I've got something really good for you to do, but it is going to require you to change. We have those go moments in our life too, right? Go to school. <laughs> go get that new job. Go into that relationship. Go out of that relationship. Go to that doctor visit. Go to that treatment appointment. God is continually inviting us to step out of 
those comfortable spaces we find ourselves in because God has something else out there for us. He said, go, and then he uses this where he says, go make disciples of all the nations. Now, when I read the word nation, I think about country, right? That's what a nation is. It's a country. It's a people group. But actually, first century culture, in Jewish culture in particular, the word nations is kind of a euphemism. Nations to Jewish people in that day meant those other people. The nations, those people who don't believe in God the way we believe in God. Those people who have different traditions and practices. In fact, in Jewish culture, sometimes the word nations meant the enemy. Jesus is saying, I'm doing something really great, and I want you to go to the nations. Some of us have those experiences where we're suddenly at work with people we don't know. We're working with people of different backgrounds. We go to school with people who don't have the same native language that we do. People move in next door to us, and they have different customs than we have. Some of you have uh, grown up in school, and maybe some of you are currently in school, you might have that experience where you're playing on a team, and then next year you're playing on a team, and one of the people on the team is somebody you played against the previous year, and now they're on your team. We have these experiences where God is saying, there are people I want you interacting with that are outside your circle. And it's going to be great. And that's a change I want you to embrace. What Jesus is doing here with his followers, and I think what he does here with us, is he's saying, I've got something great out there for you, but it's going to require change. But change doesn't have to feel like a threat. It can feel like an opportunity. Why should we let God root us to help us go through changes in life? Here's the first reason. In connection with God, big changes are opportunities for a new and vibrant life. Now, I think when Jesus said, go to the nations, I think his disciples probably had, each one of them probably had a different take on how comfortable they were with that. And let me just be honest with you. There's really only, when it comes to big life changes, there's only two kinds of people out there. There's those who value consistency and trust and compassion, and then there's you crazy people who love change, right? You know who you are. Your motto is, if it isn't broke, break it. You love change. Um, Now, honestly, there's more than two groups of people, right? Let me show you this diagram that some of you have probably seen. When it comes to change, we all kind of fall into what is a normal bell curve, right? Over here, you have a small group of people. They're called innovators. They're always thinking 20 years ahead. We always think they're crazy. They're like, you're not living in reality. And they're like, no, I'm not. I'm living 20 years from now, and I'm making changes right now that are going to have an impact later. You got this group over here. They're called laggards. They're like, don't touch my stuff. Don't stop changing everything. Like, it's, it's, I've, I've settled in. 
It's been 40 years. I've just now got the rhythm of it. Stop messing with things, right? But the majority of us fall in here somewhere. And we might actually move to different places in this based on what's happening in our life at the moment, our upbringing, our background. Uh, And sometimes we can be at two different places. Like maybe you're a real innovator at work, but uh, you're kind of part of the late majority when it comes to your faith. Or maybe you're um, a really early adopter with technology, but you're part of the late majority when it comes to financial investments, right? So it kind of depends. You can kind of operate in more than one place at a time. Let me tell you about myself. I am a uh, part of the late majority. I'm a late adopter when it comes to technology, when it comes to change in culture. I'm the one, I got to wait until this new trend has fully worked itself in before I roll into anything. And I'm usually like the last one. Then once I get into it, it changes again because I've, took, I've taken so long to get on board. Uh, that's kind of what I do in my life in general. Now, part of that is my DNA. Part of that is my upbringing. Um, part of that is my own uh, processing of anxiety and OCD. I've talked about this here at the church. Um, my wrestling with anxiety and OCD gives me a certain intolerance to uncertainty. Uh, so if I can't be absolutely sure of something, then I'm, I'm less likely to go forward. Like I, I need it to be just right in order to feel comfortable pulling the trigger. I've worked through some of this um, uh, if we did a series on this back in April called The Anxiety Field Guide, and I actually wrote a book on my own process with this. If you're with us for the first couple of times, your new visitor, when you head outside, there's a free copy for you. You can ask for that. I would love to give that to you. Um, but I think the thing that helped me the most in seeing change as opportunity rather than threat was the more I read the Bible... And the more I'm seeing the stories in the Bible, I'm seeing, I I, I see that God is continuing a process of helping people move forward through a relationship with him. There's an interesting uh, verse in the New Testament that says, keep in step with the Spirit. I thought that's interesting. When I go on walks with my wife, my wife walks much faster than me. And I'm always trying to keep in step with my wife. Um, When it says keep in step with the Spirit, the idea is God is moving. Are you in lockstep and continuity with God? Sometimes God is like, slow down. I'm good with that. When God's like, hey, let's take some more time to think about this. I'm like, I'm in. But when God's like, I need you to go, I need you to move quicker, that's where I wrestle. And I think our culture can encourage us to continue to live in fear and avoidance rather than say yes to God's invitation to move through change and transition in life with his help. So here's an action step I have for you. Choose curiosity and agency over fear or avoidance. I want you to think about that big life change or big life transition you might be in right now, 
rather than giving in to fear, how could you give in to curiosity? Where you can say, God, God, what are you doing? Not, oh, God, what are you doing? (laughs) And agency, not, oh, this change just happened to me. Agency means, oh, I have the ability to step into this change with the right perspective. I can actually cooperate with God as God is moving me along. Maybe you're one of those people that has the default of fear and avoidance. Maybe you grew up that way. Maybe somebody taught you that. Maybe you grew up in a church or a religion that really used fear as a motivator. Maybe social media and news, which is primarily built on fear and fear of missing out. You've got to read this story. If you don't read this story, you're missing out. Or here's five things you've got to know in order to make this decision. And it's built, it just kind of inadvertently kind of, or sometimes intentionally, nurtures that sense of, uh-oh, I shouldn't do anything until I have more information. Maybe you need to take a break from social media for a while. What would it look like to connect with God in a new way where you actually saw the future and change as an opportunity rather than a threat? One thing I kind of do too is I kind of categorize uh, things in a couple of categories to kind of to, to, to get my thinking straight. I'll give you an example. So if I were to say, what are some things in my life that will never change? And then what are some things that can may, or even should change. So here's an example. Uh, My love for my kids. That will never change. What can, may, or should change? Uh, Where they live and their views on things. You know, where they live, I can't wait to get my kids out of my house. I think that's, I'm like, that should change, you know, but, but their views on things, sometimes they're like, oh, I don't want their views to change on these things. Well, there's certain things that I don't want my kids' views to change. But there's other things my kids are going to have different views, and I need to deal with that. I can't lock myself in. Oh, this will never change. I can't control. I have to give that to God. Here's another one. What will never change? My past. What can, may, or should change? How I grow from what I've experienced. Some of us are still living in our past. We either live in the glory days. Oh, man, remember? Remember how I looked? <laughs> remember when I played ball back in college? Or remember, you know, pre-kids I had this figure? I'm talking about you guys. Uh, some of you are living in the past in the wrong way. Remember that thing that person did to me? Remember that way I was hurt? See, our past can explain things, but it shouldn't be an excuse. i got to say, what am I going to do now? God's moving me forward. Keep in step with the Spirit. Here's another one. What should never change? My worth and my value. That never changes. Here's what will change. What I attach my worth and value to. Some of us attach our worth to our job or our appearance or our friendship circle, or our hairline, right? Some of us, we attach our value and worth to those things, and then when those things change, we have a crisis. 
What do I do? Who am I? Now, that's a normal thing as you're kind of reevaluating things in our lives. But the more we can be prepared for change, the more that helps us ground our value and our worth in things that don't change, primarily in our relationship with God. And that's the other one. What will never change? God's and God's love for us. What can, may, and will change? Everything else. Everything changes. Everything changes everything changes. But God's love for you doesn't change. And if we can get rooted in that, that can help us navigate things. Now, I'm not saying like, let's just be rooted in God's love and God's truth, and then nothing will change. And if you're feeling uncomfortable, just stuff those emotions down. Just deal with it. Just go through change. That's not what we're saying. In two weeks, I'm going to do a whole message on um, grief and crisis. And actually, how to process our emotions and our thoughts in a way to help us navigate through crises in life. So that's going to be part of what we talk about. But for this message, it's, it's let's make sure we got the right focus. Let's find connection with God and let that be the root that can help us through those transitions in life. And let's look back at one more thing that Jesus said when he was talking to his disciples about this huge change that they were going to be facing. He says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I've given you. And then he says this, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, let me just point out, this is so powerful. This is not just Jesus saying a nice word. He's not just like, hey, I'm with you. You know, he's not saying, hey, you're in my thoughts. You know, this isn't a a well wish. This is Jesus saying in a very practical, profound, supernatural way, when you are going through a major change in life, Jesus is right in that situation with you, available to help you navigate the difficulties and challenges of that situation. And Jesus is right there with you to say, let's keep going. Come on with me. It's going to be great. We're we're in this together. I'm right there with you. And I'm not just with you in this. We're going to keep going, and I'm going to be with you at the end of this thing too. It's a real assurance of God's presence with us. And that's the second reason why we should let God root us when we're going through big life transitions. It's this. Because if we choose to follow him, God is always the same and is always with us through all the stages of change. And there are different stages of change that we go through. So let me just share that with you real quick. We've, something we've talked about here at our church, there's a model for change theory called the change cycle. And it says that research has shown that, that when we're going through a change, we go through three predictable and regular stages. And here's what they are. The first stage that we go through when we hit a change in life is the stage of loss and doubt. You lose the job, you get the new job, right? There's a death in the family or the new baby comes home, right? Good change, bad change, whatever. There is loss and insecurity and doubt and I don't know if I can handle this and what am I going to do? And that's a normal reaction. That's a normal stage to be in. 
And we'll talk, like I said, in a couple of weeks about what we do, how do we process and, and connect with God specifically in that stage. But what happens is after the change, as we're going into change, we get that loss and doubt, and then we move into another stage that's called discomfort and discovery. And this is a, this is a moment of decision. I can either say, I don't like this change, I'm uncomfortable with this change, I want to resist it, and I go back into loss and doubt, or I say, this is what happened. Let me figure out what God is doing, and we move toward discovery. And that moves us to the last stage, understanding and integration, that we go, okay, now I'm getting it. Now I'm in the new rhythm. Now pieces are coming together. I'm feeling different. I'm seeing things different. And as we complete the change cycle and we feel whole and we feel integrated and we feel at peace, then something important happens. Change happens again. It just starts all over. Oh, man, I was, just, I was just getting used to that. And that it continues. So we hit that stage again. Now, the goal in showing you this is that it's, it's our goal that we stay connected to God in all of those stages. That's the choice, the agency that we have that will help us navigate change well. So here's an action step for you. Build consistent connections with God that are non-negotiables and will outlast change. What are the ways that you can build non-negotiable connections with God that, that, that exist throughout that change cycle? Let me give you an example of what we're doing right here. Church, whether you're going through a time of loss and doubt or discomfort or discovery or understanding or integration, make church part of what you do. Hey, this is what I do. Oh, I'm in a time of loss and doubt. I don't think I'll go to church. No, go. I'm not being legalistic about it. What I'm saying is that there's rhythms, spiritual rhythms that you want to have be part of your life and invite other people in your life to adopt those rhythms, the things that won't change while everything else is changing. Because we all know the experience of going, oh, I don't want to go to church. And then you show up and you go, boy, I'm so glad I went. If we have church attendance based on how we're emotionally feeling at the moment, then we're allowing the change cycle to dictate our spiritual relationship rather than allowing my spiritual relationship with God to dictate how I'm interpreting the change cycle. And sometimes we show up to church, and it's not even for us. I talked to somebody a couple of weeks ago, and they said, oh, I was just struggling. I didn't really feel connected to God. I didn't feel like going to church. And they showed up to church, and we were singing. And I was like, I don't want to sing. I'm not really into it. And then all the men around that person were singing. And it did something to that person. By the way, that's one of the reasons we sing. We're singing not only because the Bible says sing to God. We're singing because it does something to us as a group and even individually in our brain and in our body and our spirit. But we want you singing because the person next to you might be going through something and they need to hear your voice. That's the collective process. It's not just about us. Church attendance. Being in a group. Finding a group of people that whether you're in a season of loss or doubt, discomfort or discovery, 
or understanding or integration, you're in a group. And the beauty of the group is when you're in a group, there's usually somebody that's in a season of loss and doubt and another person that's in a season of understanding and integration, sometimes about the same issue. We had that during COVID. We had people in lockdown and they were like, thank God lockdown happened. Now I don't have to interact with any human being. And other people are like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And they were in the same group together. And that's great because we're all at different phases and we can come alongside each other and help each other and connect with each other. Reading the Bible, that's another one. In 2020, I found this great um, uh, Bible, a Bible in one year. Uh, this is a great program if you want to read through the entire Bible. They do it for every year. And it gives you a little bit of reading every day. And what if reading the Bible was something that no matter what change cycle you were in and no matter what you were experiencing, you're like, well, I'm going to connect with God every day or a few times every week. And I'm going to make sure that Bible reading is just part of my connection with God no matter what I'm going through. And the good part is you can, you can find that on uh, version. That reading program was a, was a bunch of other ones. What did we talk about today? We should let God keep us rooted as we go through life transitions. In connection with God, big changes are actually opportunities for a new and vibrant life. That's having a positive, forward-looking vision for what God's doing in our life. And then too, if we choose to follow him, God is always the same and is always with us. Everything changes in life. But you know, God said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. God and his words stay the same. And that can keep us rooted, can keep us hinged like the door. The door might change, but it's still hinged. It's still grounded in the way we want it to be. I got one more thing I just want to share with you real quick, and that is, you know, we talk about this idea that, that God is always the same and is always with us, but sometimes when we're going through a change, our connection with God changes. We've all had experiences, maybe we've all had experiences where you go through a change and it actually draws you closer to God. Or you might be here because you're going through a change and it's actually brought you to church for the first time. Sometimes change fills us with gratitude and, 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 and thanksgiving and, and we're, our spiritual life takes off. But there's also times where change causes a season of spiritual dryness, like a drought. Change can bring drought, but you know what? God can use that too. In times of spiritual drought, sometimes we discover things about ourselves that we would have not discovered any other way. Let me give you a, a real practical example from the physical world. Our world, physically right now, is in a drought. And the drought has actually led to some really significant discoveries. I mean, you've probably seen some of this stuff in the news. For example, the, the world-famous Chat, Chatsworth House in Great Britain was well-known in literature because in literature the lawns had these ornate designs carved into the lawns from the 17th century, but we never saw them. They were in the drawings. We were like, oh, that's interesting. They must have carved the lawns like that. But the drought hit, the grass dried up, and we started seeing the designs in there. And they're matching the drawings from the 17th century. We wouldn't have seen them without the drought. In Norway, the ice started melting. You know what we found? We found weapons from the 300s and 400s buried deep within the ice we wouldn't have found without the drought. And then probably the biggest news story in the day 
is in Iraq, um, the drought revealed an entire city from the Bronze Age that we've just now started excavating. Here's the point. When change comes, sometimes change will cause a spiritual drought, a time of feeling disconnected from God, maybe a time where your normal spiritual rhythms are thrown off, and you're saying, I just want it to go back. I want my spiritual life with God, or I want my life to go back to what it was. But the drought will sometimes teach you things about yourself and your past that you would have never known any other way. So we need to be open to that. Even those times of spiritual drought, God can use to reveal things about us. Now, what if what we discover, or what if what if the decisions we make during change end up being things we regret? What do we do with regret? Hang on to that thought. We'll talk about it next week. All right, let's stand up. We're going to close our service today. Uh, we'll stand up over there at Torrance again. If you're new with us, we would love to connect with you. You can head out to our connections area. Um, if you'd like somebody to talk with or pray with, we're going to have some people on our prayer team right over here at Manhattan Beach at our cross at Torrance. The cross is over on this side of the room. would love to meet with you and connect with you. And this week, I'm going to pray for us in closing. This week, uh, just, just be open to what God is doing in the changes in your life. God, give us wisdom. Help us to connect with you no matter where we're at in the changes. And God, help us to look forward, to keep in step with you because you're changing things and it's not for our worse, it's for our better. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a great day.